It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Not an easy game at the London Stadium by any stretch of the imagination, but look at the scoreline and flick on for the closing stages and it looks like Manchester City had it all their own way. But some interesting talking points come up off the back of it, especially as the season is beginning to take shape. This is Let Me Talk, I'm David Mooney, with me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hello Sam. Hello, all right? Yeah, not bad, sir, not bad. Um, let's get into uh, everything at the uh, the London Stadium then. Uh, because yeah, yeah. if I say, to kick us off with, that this game reminded me a lot of the 3 old draw at Newcastle last season, do you know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Um, in a way, but like... It, I, I, know you, I do know what you mean, but... I, I don't know. Their threat was much more watered down than Newcastle's was because that was basically like every time yeah, Sam yeah, Maximan yeah. in particular came forward, it was just absolute panic stations. And like it's been Carl Walker Appreciation Month, hasn't it? Um, but he was he was on toast in that in that game, and so was Stones. Um, and yeah, I mean West Ham did have a bit more threat. I kind of know what you mean. Like it's it's more it wasn't, not, not it necessarily the opposition threat, I, but more the kind yeah, of the flow yeah, of the yeah. game. Yeah, I'm. It's funny because I think that kind of ties into the question I've had because obviously we're doing the podcast Sunday morning, game was yesterday, so I've had enough time to think about it. But the question I suddenly thought of this morning before we started recording was, I wonder if Pep and the staff think that game was better or worse than Sheffield United, which I think is an interesting question. What do you think of that? And I'm not sure. I mean, I genuinely don't know because I think... <laughs> The issue is with Sheffield United. So basically what I'm thinking is for Sheffield United, the game was much more stable throughout. Um, as Juan Mas said, after they, the performance was much closer to what they wanted than the scoreline suggested. Um, and I think for that for that reason, it's, it's easy to say that them being more stable, the fact that they created plenty of chances um, and if you look at the balance of the game, they deserve to win easily. You could say, well... It was more stable than the West Ham game, but I do. The only reason that makes me unsure is because they, when they scored, they kind of went a bit ropey, and it was so close to the end and not getting what they deserved. Does that take away a bit from it? Like we've just scored to go ahead. We worked so hard for this. You can't let it go a bit ropey. 
and you can't get Atleti so close to the end. But I don't know, I do think overall on the balance of the game, they'd probably be happier with Sheffield United, bearing in mind that they were happy to keep it tight early on. They had the penalty. But I think it's just an interesting question because I think if you were to do a straw poll of, of City fans or any fan watching that game, they'd have said West Ham was miles better. And also, I, the reason it's an interesting question is I understand that completely mm. because it just felt more... It felt more exciting without it going full Newcastle because that was just out of control, wasn't it, Newcastle? Yeah, yeah. But this was, oh, City are much better. Oh, shit, there's a bit of danger at the back door. Oh, it's gone again. And then just let City get on with being really good again. So, uh, yeah, I think Sheffield United was probably more stable and therefore, I'm guessing, they'd have been happier. Um, But, you know, as a kind of spectacle for normal people to watch and as a, a more obvious, like, attacking performance with, like, players popping off left, right. And, you know, there was way more individual good performances in terms of eye-catching stuff rather than, you know, stability. Um, I, I think everybody would prefer West Ham. Yeah, this is why, uh, though, I, I kind of... I, I'm on the fence a bit with this question as well because I feel like when neutrals enjoy the game, when it's a City game, it means that City aren't controlling it and that becomes a little bit of a problem for Guardiola, I guess. Um, like yeah. in, that, in that kind of sense of... West Ham... West Ham had we used to say this about City they had, they had opportunities to create chances they didn't have chances and I I kind of I, I kind of oh, felt like some. yeah but I kind of felt like especially in the in the back end of the first half the that the flow of the game was like City weren't able to impose themselves on the game in the way that they were at, at Bramall Lane for instance mm. and at Bramall Lane you kind of go well this this City performance it feels a bit stodgy but a goal is coming and I wasn't convinced that the equaliser was coming. I mean, it, it helps that it that it happens immediately after half time. But say yeah. that if that goes ten minutes into that second half, I can quite easily see it being another one of those games where it doesn't feel like that goal's coming. And maybe it does come anyway. Yeah. And like maybe it's maybe it's all fine. But it, it, it like the feeling of it just didn't feel. It's that word stability. It didn't feel very stable. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I don't know. I don't think it was that bad. So. I think in the second half where, and I'm a bit conscious we're talking about the lack of stability in a 3-1 win where they were very good, but yeah, we are yeah. obviously <laughs> going to get to that. Um, the Where they kind of, where the chances came from in the second half, it just seemed to be more, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big problem with like the structure of the team. Like, um, there was, you know, at Newcastle, for example, attacking too quickly. The lines were too spread out. They could get a dribbler. It was like Rodri and Bernardo just either giving the ball away or losing the ball because, you know, they were trying to win it back and the, they they didn't get the second ball. And you're not always going to get the second ball. And if you play at West Ham, then, I mean, look, I know at the start of last season, they did control the whole thing, didn't they? But obviously at the end of the one before, and when they, West Ham were tuning up at half time, when you think about yeah. it, it's going to be one of those days. It was that. And, you know, that 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 is... That's West Ham for you. That's away games like that. So I, I felt that, you know, the chances they did have, like, was it was it Roger who gave the ball away when Antonio went running through, but he just couldn't quite get there when Edison got there? Um, and then there was the one where Akanji made the tackle. I think that was kind of bouncing around in midfield from Bernardo towards, well, Roger towards Bernardo. Bernardo couldn't quite reach it, and then they just attacked quickly. And look, that that's not really, I mean, maybe you can, but if you look at it in more detail and know more what you're talking about, but I don't think you can kind of hammer the players for that. Those those are the moments where Guardiola, had he not just had back surgery, would have been crouched on the edge of the <laughs> penalty area. Yeah, on the uh, technical yeah, area. Yeah, especially with the Antonio one, because that was just, that came out of nowhere, kind of Rodri just losing the ball on kind of halfway kind of thing. 
but again, you can't. You don't have to look at the team and go. You should have been doing this, this, and this. It was just don't do that, mate. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, yeah. In terms of it being feeling like one of those games, and I promise we're coming up to all the good stuff in a bit. I before before the game. And I would have said this whether they had lost or drawn or won because it is irrelevant. But I did have a feeling. I was like, oh, I don't think they're going to win. Like, and I th- the main reason for it, so part of it, well, main reason for it was like logical stuff. Like they've got injuries. I'm not sure who's going to fit in where. Um, and before kickoff, I remember thinking, well, they're going to need Doku to do something. And then we knew he was in the team. And I was like, and they're going to need Haaland to take his chances. And like if Doku plays like he did at Fulham or against Fulham, they're kind of kind of be a man down and they're going to need Haaland to take his chances like he didn't really do at Sheffield United until obviously he scored uh, and fortunately they were fine well Haaland again didn't really until it was sealing it obviously Doku was unreal but then it started really well and I thought oh well that's stupid I didn't need to think that they're creating loads of chances you know they're getting enough men forward they're, um, they're looking good oh, the, the the scramble at the start the pin, yeah the pinball it's a scramble yeah. or not it's not um, a scramble but I mean there was whatever um, <laughs> that like that um, there was a few there was a few at the start you think yeah this is coming and then like, I was messaging you and I was like it's, it's drifted a bit isn't it mm. and then they and then they scored on the break and you think right okay um, and so then, then yeah towards half time they kind of got it back again but uh, yeah I, I was thinking I was, I'm not sure which way this game's going like, I don't know if City have got it in them today um, and then, yeah, like you say, it helped that they equalised. But they also changed things around at half-time, didn't they? And getting Walker, Walker was up on the right as he has been, and Foden was inside. But after half-time, Walker was a bit more withdrawn, and I was like, oh, well, that does, does that help with off the ball? And does that help with counter-pressure? Or does that help with recovery? Um, but, I mean, I suppose if we talk about their goal first, because chronologically, well, to be fair, it did happen first. What, yeah. If we're going to get all the negativity into the first 20 minutes. Um it was, I mean, Doku, the one bad thing he did was the bad touch for that. All right, fine. Everything else he did fucking far outweighed it. So, like, win a 3 1 win. It, on the balance, you, you can let him off. Um, Guardiola said, didn't I? Like, there are times when he just, in, in a moment like that, when he tries to go win the ball and it'll, it'll, they'll just go around him and it's like he's not there. There was a bit of that. But then, in terms of Carl Walker Appreciation Month and how good he's been and, you know, how good it is that he's staying for City and his recovery pace and stuff. Why did he just fucking track back to? I mean, I guess I guess he thought. I guess he thought you know we've got enough bodies back here to deal with that. You know, there's one guy in the box. We got well, there's two. You know, we got two back. Um, but it, he just kind of meandered back, and it was yeah. like, well, we know you've got that pace, but you don't have to be in a race with someone. You don't like, do you, is that is that what it is? Like, do you have to feel challenged that they're going to out sprint you just because there's nobody there doesn't mean you can't run back. Um, and then yeah, Kanji kind of uh, left him as well. Yeah. Well, um, should we? Should we? So it wasn't great. Should we interrupt there and get uh, Guardiola's assessment of the game, and then we can kind of look at it through that lens. So um, this is uh, this is this is what Guardiola said afterwards. I would say the first half was quite similar to the second. I would say the West Ham had maybe more chances in the second half than the first. We create against that team that defends so deep and really, really well. Uh, we create a lot of chances during ninety minutes. Uh, I'm incredibly so proud of the team. Great win for us, for the problems that we have in the squad, but it doesn't matter, the guys always respond well. And uh, we spoke in the half-time, don't be affected for the result because you are playing really, really good in the first half. And in the second, yeah, we were lucky to start and score a goal immediately and have to be patient and they had the chances, we had our chances. 
but uh, yeah, really, really good for the way we played. So that was um, Guardiola after the game, and this is where I'm not sure I feel exactly on the same page as a lot of fans at the moment. Because, and, and I know we can't take like Twitter as a barometer of of what people think, but this is what I'm doing. Um, I didn't feel like the first half was especially that good. They were good for the first twenty minutes or so, um, and then I felt like the, I felt like West Ham had too much threat and. There was too much of of City just not like not being able to deal with those transitions. And sure, like West Ham didn't get in and get a shot away, but they got into positions where they could have got a shot away, or where they could have kind of where they could really have been dangerous at times. Um, and so I like I genuinely be in, genuinely would be interested to know what Guardiola said to the players at halftime because I, I I'm really interested to know whether he thought it was a good first half or not. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean because like like I say, it did it did drift a bit. And I think once you make a good start, and you should have got the goals. And it, but then, if we talk about West Ham having chances to have chances or whatever, like Haaland had two great chances. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. One in particular. So, but is that is that the gamble? Is that the payoff? I just think it's tightening everything up, isn't it? I just think it's tightening everything up. Like they were great for the first twenty. It did drift a bit. West Ham scored. City should have scored after that. On on balance, it was all right. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, it's diff, it's difficult to kind of say. I know what he just said, but. What he really means is because look, maybe, maybe he was genuinely happy, but I reckon it would have been look, we got we got to tighten something up here. Um, we we can't we can't start well and 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 then let it drift and miss chances. Like, come on, come on, guys, fucking sort it out. And obviously, he did make the changes, didn't he, with Walker going more inside and Foden going out to the right and Bernardo in the middle. Mm. Um, it was it was so there was obviously stuff that that needed that needed tweaking around. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it was as good as he was saying. But, but at the same time, like it wasn't it, terrible. Yeah. I, it was comfortably, I think, City's most creative first half of the season. Like, like the, I, I've not seen them yeah. create like that. Certainly in the opening spell of a game, like, like all all year. And is that is ultimately is that just the payoff? Are the, are the opposition going to be more threatening when it's a team like West Ham? If you are going to be as creative as that. Are you opening the game up? Is he was he opening the game up a lot earlier than he would normally? Possibly. I mean, if it goes back to the whole thing we've been talking about about how they kind of keep the same numerical numbers and they don't try and push for overloads and stuff. And obviously, I was watching out for that, given how much they were they were creating. But they were making more kind of dynamic runs and trying to disturb their defensive structure more than what happened against Sheffield United. So. Maybe that that is the trade off, but also I felt like with Doku, for example, he and to kind of because it was obvious how well he played and he was really good, like so much better than than the Fulham game. But if imagine City's performance, given they didn't really have the numbers on the bench or the people on the bench, or the, the ability, the quality on the bench to to change it up, if Doku had played like he had against Fulham, like how important was he? to their threat in particular that we're talking about, even in that first half. And in terms of, did they sacrifice something? I'm not sure they did, because I don't think he was kind of freewheeling it and going, wee, like just doing stuff that's not City and taking risks. It was very much kind of everything set up in the structure, switch the ball to him and he can run. And then if they if he does lose it, then we got people here to back him up and he's in the final third. The, the, the thing with the goal was he was deeper in the pitch and it was a bad touch and like, Guardiola wasn't there or wasn't able to 
to to do the counter pressing to win the ball back. But I I felt like they did attack in the right structure. Yeah, and I don't necessarily I I don't necessarily think that because they created more chances, it was inevitable that more came. would go the other like way. I say especially in the second half, I just I just thought there was just a bit of sloppiness, or you know they just didn't win second balls. And look, as much as we praise them for being good at that, you can't win them all. Um, so I don't know. I don't necessarily know if if it was a trade off. Coming up after a short ad break, we'll be talking a lot more about the West Ham game and we'll focus on Jeremy Doku's performance. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. It's interesting the doku thing because, um, I mean, Bobby got in touch to say that um, Phil Erling Alvarez doku are all action players rather than control players and it was showing. It's fun, creative and exciting, but it's also more vulnerable. And I wondered, like, with with the Fulham game kind of out of the way and we've kind of seen what the team was like with Doku just kind of... Like, you take Grealish out, put Doku in, that's kind of what happens in that first half against Fulham. I wonder if, if kind of like a week later or a fortnight later with the international break, they're just a little bit more set up for him to take risks, if that makes sense. They're, they've they've kind of they've kind of built a way to go. Okay, well, you you kind of take a few more risks than maybe Grealish would in that situation, and we'll kind of make sure that if you lose it, we're set up to be able to to deal with that. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think they were they were trying to do that against Fulham, but there was just too many things going wrong. It was all too rushed and hurried but also like Doku couldn't get off the ground because he just kept miscontrolling it so that was it wasn't so much about being in the right position to do it he just couldn't even get started with it really and yeah but I mean there was there was loads of other things as well when so in this whole was it better than Sheffield United debate like it was obviously better than Fulham overall yeah. as a performance um, and it was it was just kind of too rushed and they were trying to get the balls up there too quickly and all that kind of thing so um, but yeah, that that that's the thing that, or one of the things that Pep told Grealish. You know, when we're in our structure, and this is going back, you know, even first season, second season, when we're in our structure, you you, you can go, you can take that risk, you can, you can push, you can take him on. Um, but then, yeah, I, I suppose it is it is interesting, isn't it? Like in that whole, you know, we talked about the wingers not taking the man on in like the early part of the game to establish that dominance, but. Doku was at it straight away, and presumably, you know that that and well, you say presumably because you don't know, but it seemed obvious, didn't it, that that was the game plan. He was the outlet yesterday. It was get it to him and let him work his magic. Yeah, and, oh. he was under. I mean, I expect he probably wouldn't be doing that if he wasn't under instruction. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. And like City wouldn't have been getting the ball to him that often because it was. I don't know, like against Fulham, one um, mile was saying they they moved him to that side so they can get him on the in the game more because they weren't finding him on the right but it almost felt like they were moving him out of the way against Fulham but I don't know why you know that that would have been the case you know he's less likely to be involved on the left than on the right but it just felt like well it felt like against Fulham okay we're going to attack down the right and then when they realised Doku wasn't playing well they were like okay let's get Foden to attack down the right Mm. and that'll be better off Um, whereas yesterday it was everything towards him um, and like I say, like the, the the measure of his performance was he he was kind of designed to be their main man. And if he hadn't played well yesterday, then I don't know where that performance would have gone. But 
he was just like straight away. I was like, "Fuck me!" He's been mu- like much better than the debut, much better. And obviously, that's inevitable with the goal and and that kind of thing. But it's similar with Alvarez. Like Alvarez got the assists. I messaged you in the first. I'm sure it was the first half. Um, it was before he got the assists and that, and hit the post with that free kick. I said they use that track man, don't I? And Alvarez has got like the best strike in the squad, based on you know that that track man technology yeah. that he can use for golf and and also football. So it was no surprise he took that free kick and hell of an effort. Um, but yeah, but even before all that, I was like, he's, he's just better today. You know, I've, I've been saying all all season really, like he's better than that. Like he's better than just contributing goals. And I suppose as this like like Harland does in the box, he should be doing much more outside. And Guardiola talked about that on Friday, actually. But even in the first half, he was just much tighter and tidier, and he wasn't giving the ball away as much. And he was linking it all together. And obviously, the second half, you really saw it. And it's funny because after the Fulham game, I did write, and I was going to write an article. Well, it was basically the same thing, but with a different tone. I was going to say like, can City really afford to have two guys who aren't um, contributing as much to the game? You know, the overall. Um, the game plan of the structure and just contributing goals. Like, can is that going to work? And then obviously when Haaland scored a hat-trick, I was like, it's harder to make this point. But then it did kind of <laughs> make me think, like, well, Alvarez is going to get better, isn't he? And as we saw again with Haaland, he got the hat-trick once the team started finding him. So once they tighten up and once Alvarez gets better, these two are going to be an absolute handful. Yeah, And I think, it's fun. I was going to say, we, we are starting to see that, but Haaland... Still wasn't great. Like if he's not creating, if he's not scoring the chances, it's almost like what are you there for? But then, in fairness, he was very played a very important role for the Doku goal. And that just felt like I don't know if because it was the start of the second half, but it just felt like such a training ground exercise. Like have you seen like how simple that was? Mm. Like was it Diaz who fired the ball through? So that was a good ball, but straight into Harlan's feet, he dropped. Well, one of the only times in the game he either did or was able to drop, linked up. Popped it straight off to Alvarez, and Alvarez has gone right. Well, Doku's going to be out there, and it, that was just so clear. Obviously, Doku's got the rest to do, but it was just such a kind of clear example of like something they do on the training ground. He's like a warm up, even you know, get into the striker, he goes there, get out wide, and then you know everyone kind of runs to the back post to, or you know penalty spot back post near post. But obviously, Doku just did it all himself. Yeah, popped it in. Um, but and, and that was just unreal, and because like, I, I was watching it on a stream, like there's a goal source going on this month, so I didn't go yesterday. Um, don't think I'm going to the Newcastle game either. Hopefully, I'm going to the Wolves game. Um, but like it was on a delay, it was on like a three minute delay. The stream, fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, but like I was checking the scores every now and again, and I just I saw it was one 0 to West Ham. So the fact that Doku scored like within like, a minute or two of the second half, I was like, hold on a minute. Like, I, was, I, I I thought like. I was in that position where nothing's going to happen for the next three, four minutes now. And like, I'm going to watch this game, but I know not to expect a goal out of it. Um, and then, so it was even more surprising when, you know, he just got the ball on the left, took everyone on and put it in the bottom corner. Um, but it is, it's kind of scary really, isn't it? Like, I I don't expect him to play like he did against Fulham all the time. I don't expect him to play like he did against West Ham all the time. But if that's, the ceiling now, then it's scary. Where the ceiling what, could be, what can happen yeah. when he when he improves and and like the fact that so they have got five wins now. You know, Guardiola before before the game was saying, you know, the real season starts now. You know, everything's kind of settled down. And I've, I've said before how they were kind of concerned about the first four games, knew they weren't going to be easy because of the injuries, um, because of the short preseason and that kind of thing. The team wasn't especially stable. 
but it was also like you know the kids gone back to school you know the players routines are like more kind of settled and focused on football fundamentally and all those things but you think they've got this far stones hasn't played de bruyne you know didn't played really 20 play. minutes yeah yeah exactly um like kovacic has been out now foden was ill for a game bernardo was uh, ill bernardo was out um you know, grealish has been out gundogan's gone Maros is gone and they got five. They're the only team in the league with five wins. Like while they're kind of feeling their way through it, uh, and like yesterday, Harland missed chances and didn't really do much in the game. Obviously, apart from that kind of build up to the docu thing. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh and missed other things, but I don't think he did an awful lot. Foden didn't play especially well. Um, Alvarez did. Doku did. Um, Bernardo obviously did, especially in the second half when he was more inside. And as well, he was inside anyway, but more advanced, I should say. And they've just got way more than enough. Way more than enough. And like with Nunes, I thought with Nunes coming on, I'll just mention it now because I'm not sure if I'll remember to come back to it. And look, sometimes I feel like I'm guilty on this podcast of talking as if, you know, Guardiola's invented patient football and taking the right decisions, slowing the game down. Because look, these are traits the players have got. But when I was speaking to somebody about, you know, what what does he bring? They were like, he understands what the game needs. You know, he's he's not the fastest, but he knows how to give tempo to the game, but he can slow it down. And you saw that, like when, when Nunes came on, especially at the end, so when it was 2-1, he would get the ball between the lines and he'd just turn back yeah, and play yeah. it off simple. And you think that, you know, there's obviously a lot they can work with there. And Guardiola talked um, glowingly about him on, on Friday as well. And... He was like, look, there's stuff he needs to improve with. He said his first touch and like his first pass, I think. So basically in the small spaces. But he was like, he's got he's got abilities that like a coach can't teach. The understanding. And that's that's yeah. all you want. Yeah. Yeah, well the understanding, but I guess just the ability to beat a man. You know what I mean? Because you like you can't you can't just teach players to go, suddenly you're a good dribbler now with you know speed and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but you, but you, you kind of can understand you, you kind of can teach the understanding, which is the whole Bernardo thing, you know, Bernardo, the reason he never played uh in that kind of left-sided midfield in the early seasons was because he didn't have the the powers and the control and all that, but now, you know, he's one of the main guys for it. So you can kind of teach that. I think it's the more it's the natural stuff. You know, I it's kind of like the I'm not saying he's as good as Messi and Mbappe, but to to make the point, you can't teach what Messi and Mbappe have got. You can't. I mean, oh, I'm going down a wormhole here. Of can you teach what Harlan's got? And I know his coach or coaches because I've spoken to them. Well, one one insists that you can because <laughs> it's repetition, repetition, repetition. But whatever the hell Harlan's got, um, I don't know if you can teach it or not. But I th- well, if you could, then well, where are all the other fifty goal strikers? Um, so yeah, um, Nuno's just in those flashes. There, you know, there was a time when he did kind of give the ball away in a kind of close area but the other times when he did get it I thought he used it kind of sensibly and look, it's very we didn't see an awful lot of him but I thought for him to be able, for him to be brought on was a good step because I didn't think they'd be making any subs yesterday at 1-1 as well and, unless yeah. it was like done um, so yeah but that kind of goes to show that he has got that trust I guess to go and make a bit of a difference um, I suppose it kind of ties into the Foden ongoing discourse as well yeah well let's um, uh, before we before we get too far ahead of ourselves there um yeah, yeah. let's let's hear what guardiola made of uh doku's performance yesterday well about jeremy i think i was in barcelona maybe my my situation is different but i had the feeling that he played 
a little bit shy. It's normal arrive just two, three days training against the team on the travel and oh, maybe it was a little bit, you know, in this way. And today, no, today was we spoke and then be yourself. So who's your quality as a winger? One against one, one against two, go. If you don't have the feeling, pass back to Josco and play again. But use your quality, you lose it, lose the ball. So what's, what's the problem? And today was for the first minute, incredible, aggressive, his determination, arrived many times to my line, many, many good things has done. I'm really, really pleased because it's, uh, we thought the qualities was there and today I started to prove it. I think that's interesting, that line, um, if you don't feel it, go back to Josco. Yeah, but also, if you lose it, fine, whatever. Yeah. Like, as long as they're in that structure, you know, like I say, he wasn't freewheeling, he wasn't doing stupid risk. Like, he was giving the ball in the right situations. And yeah, if you lose it, fine. They're set up to, to deal with those counter-attacks in theory. Um, so yeah, there was... Yeah, it, but yeah, it is telling, saying, yeah, go go back to Josco if you don't feel it. Because obviously he did feel it over and over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't... Like, I, I never got the feeling, obviously with the, the miscontrol before their goal, fine. But I never got the feeling that this guy's not a city player or, you know, even in, in even in my, how my mind works of, oh, how's this going to fit? You know, this is a, a different type of player to what City are used to. I never got the feeling that, oh, this doesn't fit. It's too direct that he's taking too many risks. It, it felt right. Like it, even in the way that they, they kept switching it to him, they obviously trusted him to do it. He was obviously a huge part of what they were doing in the game. Um, and it, and look, I suppose it helps that it worked, but that's what we're talking about. It worked. Like, when Guardiola's saying there, you know, your strengths, he goes, what's your strengths? One against one, one against two. Like, how how useful is that? Yeah, one Talk against about two. Yeah, being, yeah, yeah. Wingers being doubled up on, it doesn't matter. Like, if he can go either way. So, yeah, he was like, massively, massively impressive. And I, I guess, you know, we're going to find out now. You know, I said, I don't think he's going to play like that every week, but I don't think he's going to play like he did against Fulham every week. But, like, where is that performance going to be throughout the season? Like, is he going to be up and down? And look, that's fine, like we said last week. Well, after Fulham, I didn't. I didn't. I thought he was rubbish, but fine. Like I'm not saying he's he's game over for him. It's just I get it. It's his debut, and even if he's rubbish all season, I get it. Um, but now it's like okay, he might be fucking unbelievable in his first season. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to follow that trajectory now, and let's see which way it goes. See just how good he is. Like how high are the highs? How low are the lows? And how often does he play? But I mean. That was kind of one of the reasons I had a bad feeling. I didn't go into my, I didn't go into the stupid reason why. What confirmed to me in my stupid mind that City were going to lose. So it was all the it was the injuries and like who's going to play where and like is Doku going to have to play and if Doku plays is he going to play like he did against Fulham because then they were mad down and like I got a bad feeling about this. But what really confirmed to me that it was going to be a bad day for City, which again is irrelevant and obviously it wasn't. West Ham tweeted like getting your seats early because Paolo Di Canio is going to be on the pitch and stuff like that. I'm like I oh, forget it. Forget I, it. I was like, I was just more worried fans, about the fans are up. Yeah, I was I was just more worried about the way that um, West Ham played against Brighton. To be honest with you, that it just that yeah. filled me with dread. But it, they dealt with it. They dealt with it fine. Um, just to quickly on Doku as well before we before we move on from that. Um, the everyone everyone who's listened to this and who follows me on Twitter and, and whatever knows that I love Jack Grealish and I think he's a he, he, I think he's brilliant in the way that City play. Um, at the same time, uh, this is a bit of a of a cheeky question, but do you, did Grealish have a performance as good as Doku's in his first season? You know what we were saying at the start about... So let's just say for argument's sake that the coaching staff rated the Sheffield United game above 
that yesterday. Yeah. And let's say it would be based on doing what they needed to do, the stability in the game, how they wanted the game to go, the control over the game. And that is what's valuable for them. So in the sense that you can have a performance on a team level, let's say like Sheffield United, or on an individual level, like Grealish has had many times, he would have had many games that are like comparative to that in terms of he did exactly what they needed to do. You know, I'm thinking the Arsenal away game last season when Pep was saying, in games like this, you need players to have more touches and, you know, take the ball and hold on to it and, you know, draw them in and all that kind of stuff. It was like, like Erling was doing, but especially Jack. He was a little bit Riyadh, but especially Jack. And stuff like that makes me think, your average person on the street, you know, and I always said, even going back to the start of last season after the Newcastle game, like, nobody's going to say, oh, that Jack Riyadh is worth 100 million because he slows the game down. Yeah, but, yeah. like, that value to Pep is there. So has he had a performance that was kind of as eye-catching as that yesterday? No, probably not. But has he had a performance that's as good, if not better than that? I'm sure that he has done in a very different way that, you know, Guardiola would appreciate it. But, you know, the kind of dribbling counter-attack sickos that watch football, which is basically all of us, <laughs> would prefer what Doku did. I saw somebody tweet yesterday because Guardiola said the Doku's a proper winger. And I saw somebody tweet like, oh, he's sick of Grealish. Like, now he's like delighted to get his hands. I was like, I know this is like a football Twitter joke, but like, fuck off. No, he isn't. Like, Grealish has got that massive value. But the cheeky question really is they go into games, like just the kind of rule book from obviously last season, but just Guardiola's time as a manager, particularly at City, or in at least like the last four years or so has been kind of torn up. You know, we talk about all those players who aren't there and aren't playing and how he likes to have, you know, De Bruyne can play, but he needs to be next to Gundogan to offset um, how he, you know, how forward thinking he is, or he needs to be next to Bernardo. And the wingers need to be, because Haaland's there too, so the wingers need to slow the game down and take lots of touches. And, you know, you'd never have like Foden and De Bruyne playing next to each other. Like, it would never happen. Like Foden and Haaland and De Bruyne, even when Foden was on the wing, like that kind of stopped happening. And then it was more Mares coming in because they needed to slow the game down. And then it was more Bernardo because he's even better off the ball. And that's how last season went. And now like, Gundogan's not there. Foden and Alvarez are playing with Haaland. Now Doku's playing as well instead of Grealish. Like, Mares is gone. Like, Walker's been up on the right wing. Like, again, it goes back to the solutions and the adaptability. But... It's interesting now, like you go away from home to West Ham and you see that it doesn't necessarily have to be, and not just Grealish, like, but not, just like not necessarily, it doesn't have to be Gundogan. You know what I mean? Just just, just put Alvarez in there. Yeah. Just put Doku on the left. It's like the cheeky question now is like, does he, like how often does he rely on, you know, last week we were saying if Grealish was playing against Fulham, the performance would have been better. And I maintain that it would have been because it was, yeah, it was just very sloppy. But it's almost like it doesn't it doesn't have to be him now. Like they can go to away games and they can use Doku as the outlet. You know, if he's playing as reliably as, as he did yesterday. They can they can use him. I think um, I I wonder though in, or, in also in that, I think it's difficult for Grealish now, actually. But that, from but, a fan perspective. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, like uh, yesterday was an example of what happens when it works. But I, I wonder if you have more of a guarantee that the old way will work more than the this new way. Do you know what I mean? Uh, if you yeah, if, well, if, yeah. If, you, if you just if, also it probably makes Pep feel safer. Yeah, which is nine tenths of the law. But if you just if you just kind of throw the action players in as as City kind of did yesterday, and you get the game that happens and they all come season, uh, all season, yeah, yeah. But they come away from it, they've won, and everyone goes, oh well, the performance was a lot better. 
it's very hard to make the case to switch back to the kind of Sheffield United performance, but at the same time, not for Pep, but yeah, not yeah, like in general narr- narrative terms. But in, but at the same time, is is the Sheffield United performance not more likely to produce a victory than the West Ham performance? Because on another day, that it like like on another on another day, Doku doesn't have the influence that he did, and the game doesn't kind of the game when it meanders it meanders away from city and they can't get it back you, like like the yeah well that's that's kind of that's kind of what i mean by saying not for pep because you know pep doesn't need that argument he'll just go back to what he feels like is best and also going back to if he feels it's safer and just because he's done it without Grealish and Gundogan, obviously he's not getting Gundogan back, but just because he's done it that way doesn't necessarily mean that he feels the chances of success with the previous season's way are higher, so therefore he's going to go back to that. Yeah. But also what I mean about Grealish being in a bit of a tricky situation with the fans, and obviously not all of them, but again, this is this is more kind of the Twitter barometer, I think. But at the end of last season, there was obviously a lot of praise for him. And like among the City fan base as well. But I, I did say already this season, I was very alarmed by how quickly it's gone back to Grealish isn't playing very well, he doesn't take enough people on, doesn't score enough. And it was like, did last season not happen? I think I've already said this on the podcast, but I couldn't believe, I was like, some of the stuff I was seeing, I was like, has last season not happened? But now, people have been shown the alternative. And the alternative is a guy who can take on three men and put it in the bottom corner. So for those people... And I don't know how many, what the percentage of City fans it would be. Like, you never do, really. Even if you, whether you're taking a straw poll in an away end or a home end or Twitter or whatever, in the pub, whatever, you never know how much it represents. But the kind of online, especially like, because I, I think that fan who said like, oh, Pep's got sick of Grealish and he, now he loves Doku, whatever. I don't think he was a City fan. But that kind of overall narrative about Grealish is going to be tougher again for him because I think people are like, well, like I don't, I don't want to see this slow ball. Like get Doku on, even though it's like it's exactly what Pep wants. Um, but then also like in games, if Grealish does start, at what point is it like? Well, okay, get he, he can come off now and get Doku on, and and then it's going to be very difficult because it's going to be like a trade off between this guy who doesn't do much, which is very very unfair. That's not what I think, and it's obviously not what Guardiola thinks. But I think we're with what a lot of fans think. This guy who doesn't do much compared to a in inverted commas proper winger who takes people on and scores goals like that. That's going to be very difficult. But again, you know, if Doku's performances are up and down and Grealish is stable and also Grealish plays like he did at the end of last season, he won't have that problem. But it, I, it is just striking how early on in this season, after everything he's he's done already, there was just so much like people were reacting as if he'd never done all that stuff last season. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. That's it for the free version of Let Me Talk. There is more for members, though, if you go to lmtpod.com and sign up for longer ad-free episodes. Um, Sam, what are members getting this week? Yeah, loads more. There's some stuff that I've got about Foden's defensive side of the game that's very useful to, to bear in mind. And Alvarez, uh, we talked a lot about him in the early podcast this season, about him needing to do more. And now we talk about how he did exactly that. If you want to send us an email, hello at lmtpod.com is the address. We're on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Just search for us, lmtpod. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. (laughs) 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.